Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. I want to take this opportunity to to welcome you this weekend to our services, and I think we all remember where we were 20 years ago uh, as we commemorate this um, anniversary of 9-11. Uh, I was in the living room with Cindy. The kids were in school. Um, She always watched Good Morning America, so we were doing that. And she called me over to the television set, and it was shortly after the first plane had hit, I guess, the North Tower. And so we were watching just kind of stunned, like probably all of you were. And suddenly, after a few minutes, um, the second plane hit the South Tower. And even the people who were commenting on this on the television said, this is no accident. And all of a sudden, it just seemed like our our world had changed. And we really didn't even know how to process it, but we have never forgotten it. And I think we have a generation that's coming behind us that needs to really understand the seriousness and the significance of that event. And so this weekend, we wanted to talk about that. And I have one of my closest friends in all the world. He's been a longtime member of our church, he and Aaron, their kids. And Jim had a very unique perspective on the events that happened 20 years ago. He certainly remembers where he was, and I wanted Jim to come and just share his experiences with us, and I think it'd be wonderful to hear uh, what he has to say. So Jim, welcome. I'm glad you're here, my friend. Thanks so much, and and God bless all of you who are watching. I was in the White House on 9-11, and uh, it gives you a different perspective. You did. And in the White House, you were serving, I guess, as, initially as a, a special assistant to President Bush. Yeah, I was the Bush. deputy director of communications for President Bush. Yeah. Uh, that day, President Bush was in Florida. Right. And when the first plane went in, I'm, I'm a pilot. I learned to fly right here in Roanoke, Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first plane went in, I said, well, some idiot's done flown into the side <laughs> of the right. tower. When the second one went in, one of my employees looked at me and said, well, that, that's terrorism. Yeah. And so uh, we immediately began mm. to get to work on what you do about it. Well, yeah. We didn't know what to do about it. <laughs> There's yeah, yeah, no right. playbook. And right. a few minutes later, the Secret Service came running through and said, everyone get out. The plane's coming for the White House. So you're in the White House. And, yeah. and so we went outside, and there's a place called Pebble Beach where all the TV cameras yeah. are. And if you'll remember, a lot of you saw the footage. People were running. So we took off running, and my friend grabbed me and stopped and said, don't run. I said, why? He said, because one day you're going to have kids, and they're going to see you on TV, and they'll go, goes my daddy running like a coward. So... <laughs> We walked out really slowly. We got right. to the gate, and then we ran like crazy. <laughs> so we got out of there. Yeah. That was so, had to be surreal. I mean, nothing like that, obviously, has ever hit our country or ever happened. It was surreal. Look, I, I remember seeing a Chiron on, on CNN that said, America under attack. Yeah. And I remember thinking, that, that's a little overstated. And then one of my employees looked at me and said, we, we kind of are. And so we really, it, it took us a lot, of, mm. a lot of time. People forget that day. The president was in, yeah. in Florida. Um, a lot of us had work to do, so right. we actually had to get back in the White House, but the streets were uh, obviously closed, so we actually went over to the FBI, mm-hmm. and that's where we did the initial press conference, and mm-hmm. then a group of us was called back into the White House mm-hmm. uh, t- to get ready for what we knew would be an address to the nation that evening by President Bush. And you were telling me, Jim, that he had never had a, an address from the Oval. Yeah, he had addressed the nation, I, I believe, yeah. from, from Crawford right. at his ranch, but... None of us had ever done an address to the nation from the Oval Office. Uh, right. This is September in his first year mm-hmm. in office. You know, so h- how do you do it? I mean, there's no pamphlet or manual. So right. 
another guy called Scott Sforza and I, I went in. You have to change out some of the photos and pictures and the furniture and get things ready for mm -hmm. that. Uh, beginning to work with the networks mm -hmm. uh, to get ready for that. Mm -hmm. But we also had to write a speech. Right. And I do remember calling you that day. You did. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, they had called back and said the president um, was obviously going to have to address the nation. So we right. began to work with Karen Hughes on the speech he would give to the nation. And right. we decided there had to be scripture mm -hmm. in the speech. And you'll remember I called you and said, yeah. what, what do I do? I had writer's block. What, what scripture right. do I use? And so we talked about that. Well, we found a Bible mm -hmm. um, and we put some scripture in there. And when the president actually landed on the helicopter and came back, he looked at it and said, where did y'all get the scripture? It was from the King James Version. <laughs> oh, no. He, he wasn't used to that version. And so <laughs> that's all I grew up that's with. That's all we had was yeah. the King James Version and, and, and we could find. And so uh, I keep my NIV with me at all yeah, times now. There you go. Uh, but, uh, you know, and so, yeah, he addressed the nation, yeah. you know, that night. And then yeah. uh, I drove home. I lived in Virginia. I had to yeah. drive past the, the, the Pentagon. Yeah. So surreal. All the air, I remember all the airlines were grounded. I mean, where Cindy and I lived, we were in a flight path to Dallas-Fort Worth. And to see the sky so quiet after mm -hmm. all of that, it was just, I don't, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that. I don't, I, it was just. No, look, at one point I was in the bunker, which was secret. I didn't know it even existed until then. And yeah. I, I can even talk about it because of being there. But, you know, when the vice president gave the order to shoot down a commercial plane, we, we at that point didn't know if there were many more. And I remember thinking, how are we going to explain shooting down a commercial plane? Wow. I mean, those are moments you don't, mm. um, you, you know, you don't for, for forget. Yeah. And everybody in the world's calling you, are you okay, mm -hmm. this or that. And, um, but th those are big moments when you're mm -hmm. down in that bunker with yeah. Condoleezza Rice and, and the vice president where you go, this is real. Yeah. I remember you talking about a friend of yours that was on Air Force One with the president and saying they looked out and saw they were being shadowed by F-16s. Oh, yeah. They were escorting them because they didn't really know what was going on. Uh, we didn't know. Even yeah. today, they don't know where the, all the planes were going. Um, you, you just didn't, you didn't know. Yep. And so that, that. Well, wasn't there a fear, Jim? One of them was going to target the White House. Wasn't that a concern that one of those terrorists were? Yeah, but you have to remember, um, that is true. Mm -hmm. But regardless of where you sit on the political fence, that, mm -hmm. that's your White House. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no matter where you are. And the business of the nation had to be conducted. And President Bush, you know, everyone advised him not to come back to D.C. because we just didn't know. People forget, and I, I asked, the, the viewers of this to step back, they attacked our political center in Washington. Yeah. They attacked our military center in the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. And they attacked our financial center in New York. This yeah. was not, an, they didn't just pick three random targets. Mm -hmm. And so you didn't know what was coming next, mm -hmm. but there are some things that are more important than individuals. Yeah. Okay. Right now, as we sit here and watch this online and uh, in, in church, there are people who we don't know their names who are, mm -hmm on a post, men and women around yeah. the world right now, just lost 13 of them, sadly, around the world protecting us. Yeah. Okay? And they're protecting something you can't touch, you can't see, you can't feel. Our yeah. ability to sit here and worship, yeah. all right? That was under attack. Yeah. And so our, our very government buildings, those are mm -hmm. your buildings mm -hmm. and our, our, our members of this church's buildings. And so you had to be at work doing that. And mm -hmm. it didn't take courage to be there. It took courage to do what our men and women were doing, the soldiers. Right. But, but, right. but that... That's what was under attack. Mm -hmm. Our political, mm -hmm. our military, and our economic centers were attacked. Yeah. And I think, Jim, from a, the standpoint of a citizen, just seeing the way the president responded during that time when he returned to the White House, even though I know no Secret Service probably wanted him to stay away a little longer, huh. it just gave a sense of security 
you know, that uh, it made you feel like, um, you know, we're going to be okay. You know, the leader of the country is, is kind of stepping back and, 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 and getting back and engaging in what the next steps look like and what, and he kind of became the pastor of the country for a while, kind of helping shepherd people uh, through yeah, you know, this he's emotion. Quoting, he's quoting scripture in his, mm-hmm. um, in his remarks. Up on Capitol Hill, they're singing spiritual hymns on the steps of the Capitol. Yeah. It's always been interesting to me when bad things happen, we run to yeah. the Bible. Well, we ought to run more when good things happen too. Well, I agree. And, and you yeah. talked about that in, in, right. in, in church. And then Jim, at some point, you guys started planning to visit um, Ground Zero. Um, yeah, I so can't I got remember. a call yeah. to, come, um, to come to the Oval Office, which, you know, right after 9-11, you know, right. a lot of very important things were happening. I went to meet with the president and, and his team, and the president was going to go visit a burn, a burn unit. Right. Uh, a lot of, we, we hear about the deaths, but the, the burns were mm. unbelievable. Mm. Uh, and, and just the tough, um, the, the tough things people face. And, and the president was very concerned. President Bush didn't want to get in the way of people's recovery. Yeah. All right. When you're president and you show up and they stop traffic, mm-hmm. you know, they close everything. And he didn't want to get in the way of people's mm-hmm. recovery. So he said, I want you to go out there and, and meet with these families and make sure they're not going to be, not going to be mad at me for being here. So I, I went out there, mm-hmm. um, they put me in a car, police escort, and I went to the hospital and I met people who were burned head to toe mm. and their families. And the, these people are sitting there and they're wearing American flag ties wow. because they know they're going to meet the president. Mm. And they're looking at you as their representative. I felt pretty small. Yeah. You know, their loved one is laying there burned and, and mm. going to live, but really, really bad. Mm. And they're looking at you're from the White House. Yeah. Not you're a Republican, you're a Democrat. You're from my White House. And, mm. and they all wanted to meet the president. Mm-hmm. They they really were so excited to meet him, probably because of the things you you said. Um, but and there were people that said, "Hey, I didn't vote for him, but I want to meet him. He's yeah. my he's my my guy." And so I was there, and and I typically wait on the the president mm-hmm. to. Um, but but they called me and said, "You have to leave now. We're sending a car for you. We can't tell you where you're going." Mm. They took me home. I packed a bag. We went to New York to Ground Zero immediately to get ready for his visit a day and a half later. Okay. What was that like, going to Ground Zero, preparing for his arrival? You know, Bill, there's some things you can't unsee. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I was a military officer, and a lot of people glamorize war. they mm. never seen one. Mm. And um, to see that destruction and the smells and the sights, I remember we were there all night, mm. and uh, McDonald's was handing out free hamburgers right. to all the rescuers. And we, we haven't eaten all day. We were starving. We were so hungry. Mm. And... We went up to take a, a hamburger, mm-hmm. and McDonald's is giving them to you for free. Mm-hmm. It was at this kiosk, and we all we all, like, took it and hid, mm-hmm. because you had dogs sitting there that couldn't even breathe. They were trying to search for remains. You had workers who had worked for two days that hadn't slept. People collapsed everywhere. Mm. I mean, people look, you know, holding up signs saying, "Have you seen my mom? Have you seen my dad? Have you seen my son?" And here we are, like White House people. Yeah. Taking, so we went and we all went and hid behind cars and we all cried our eyes out and ate the hamburger. We were embarrassed to be seen because we didn't feel mm-hmm. all these people were working so hard. It was so mm-hmm. emotional to, to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously the next day with a bullhorn, I, I was next to the president when he, he, he uh, did that bullhorn. One of my dear friends, Nina, that was a completely unscripted moment. It was, she gave him the bullhorn mm-hmm. uh, and he did what he did. But probably, it's, again, some things I, I will never unsee. We then went to the Javits Center. Yep where all the families were, and the families are there waiting to find out what happened to their family. Yeah. And 
um, we were there, and you will remember that um, this later, but this lady came to me and said, sir, could, could I talk to you? My, my relative would like to speak to you. And there was an old lady in a chair. She couldn't even get up. And she said, my husband, excuse me, my son, um, was a Port Authority police officer. He was killed. Mm -hmm. I would like to give his badge to the president. Oh, wow. And so she said, would you give it to the president? So here's a mom who's lost her son giving me the badge now. Mm. So I said, no, I won't. You can. Mm -hmm. And so I went over and went wherever he was and mm -hmm. said, you're doing this. And, and the president, oh, of course. So he came over and, and gave it to her, to him. Um, and then that's the badge he held up in the address to Congress. Wow. Where he talked about Arlene Howard, who was the mom. I've, I've still got all my emails. Uh, I kept, I, I became friends with the family. And, and, all. and so... Mm. Seeing all of that, um, then we flew back, obviously on the plane, back to Washington. We were the only plane in the air, and it was incredible. That's unreal. I mean, just the emotional uh, turmoil, the grief. I can't imagine what that was like, being with those families and being in that experience. And I mean, that, like you say, that's some things you not just can't, you, can you not unsee the destruction, but you can not forget the heartache and the grief and the sorrow that those people were walking through in that moment. And I believe, you know, I really do believe God strategically places people in, you know, in pathways for a, a, a reason. And I think part of probably God was using to shape your life in so many ways that you probably didn't realize in the moment by having you have those experiences, you know. It's, it's you don't understand God's plan like you and Cindy. You know, I don't, right. I don't get it. Yeah. I guess right. we're not supposed to. Right. But yeah. what I'll tell you is um, I just thank God for, there's members of this church that, had family, young men and women that went and fought. Yeah. You know, and I was in the rear with the gear. I had it easy. I was in the White House, Secret Service protecting us. Mm -hmm. These are people who had to go over to Afghanistan yeah. on horseback and get after it, and, and they did. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know after you guys were, you know, after the New York uh, experience there at Ground Zero, I mean, when did the planning process, I guess it had happened quite a way on what we, what are, we, what are our next steps? What are we going to do? Hey, look, I got to be... Careful, I can't tell you much more. I'll have to kill you, and that's not good in the church. <laughs> yeah, probably. no, it's not good. But, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, the planning began immediately. They yeah. knew who it was. They knew it was Al-Qaeda. Right. Um, and so that had begun um, immediately, and, and, you know, Colin Powell, Secretary Rumsfeld, and, and others. Um, you know, and then, you know, some days later, President announced. He addressed mm -hmm. the nation and announced. And your role was kind of changing during that time, wasn't it, Jim? Yeah, I left. I went to Central Command, right. which is... Um, Overseas everything from Kenya to Kazakhstan. And yep. I went to Tampa, Florida, where they're headquartered because mm -hmm. nobody from Kenya to Kazakhstan wants us to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Not very popular. So we were there. I was with General Franks. And mm -hmm. then we went and did the invasion in Iraq. Mm -hmm. So I went to, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, all those all those places. Yeah. And you were like kind of in the wheelhouse. I remember in, uh, was it was it Doha? Or yeah, Doha. Riyadh? Okay. Because that was kind of the, isn't that where Central Command kind of shifted uh, that was where our headquarters were. We had Camp Asalia. That was where the, you'll remember the planes that first night that tried mm -hmm. to uh, go after Saddam Hussein. They, they launched from there. So that was Al Udaid Air Base. And that, okay. that air base is where we, we staged from. And you did a lot of the briefings there. I remember in I did. that. This, this the church played a, <laughs> yeah, we played. This church played a pretty, pretty historic role. You've got to share that story. So, um, you know, I may get emotional. You know, prayers work. You yeah. know, and um, the church, this church sent over a banner mm -hmm. signed by all the church members. You sent it to us. And it, it's emotional because the banner comes to us. And I'm a member of the church, and I love you all. Thank you. But you feel so small because pe real people are out there fighting and killing and doing the hard work, and you're 
doing press briefings. Mm. But so I hung that banner in the press briefing room and that banner was on national TV every morning. And I got in a lot of trouble over it (laughs) because we're in a Muslim country and the media were outraged at me. They said, you can't hang a Christian church banner in the press briefing center. I said, well, sure I can. And they said, you, but you can't. I said, well, that, that's my church. That's, that's, <laughs> I'm a member there. They sent this to me. Yeah, I'm doing the briefing. Um, you know, libraries from all, I still have a book from Indiana, some library in Indiana sent over <laughs> Nelson the Mel books. I still have those. But sure, I can hang it. They said, but, but it's offensive. I said, well, it's staying. And so every day they yelled at me over that banner. But that banner meant so yeah. much to yeah. so many of us. Yeah. Um, you know, just having it. It seems like a little thing to the, to, to the church, but seeing those signatures on there yeah. and, you know, and, and I was in a situation where my biggest decision every day was, do I have a corny dog or a hamburger? <laughs> and my brother was on the front lines. He, right. he had been in a helicopter crash on the right. first night of the invasion. Right. Um, you know, my stepsister was on the front lines. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just, that banner meant so much, but I wasn't taking it down and it was on TV and, and all the networks tried to negotiate. You got to take it down. We can't show religious images on there. I said, well, I'm, I'm keeping it. That was great. So. Yeah, I think if I remember right, Jim, it said, we love our troops. We're praying for each of you uh, with the church's name. And then, then hundreds and hundreds of members had written yeah. personal notes on that banner. And so it was really, it was kind of a way, in a, kind of an anecdotal way of saying to the service members who were over there, you've got people back home who have your back, who are praying for you, who love you, respect and appreciate you. So it wasn't a political statement we were making or trying to be offensive. We were just trying to be supportive of our military. And and that was, I love it. You love that, you let that happen. So it was a great way of us being able to do a little bit to to help lift some of that load. But it was just uh, such an incredible thing. And then from there, uh, I know Jim, you started uh, doing some work with national security. Uh, yeah, I went back to the National Security Council. I was Condoleezza Rice's deputy. Uh, mm-hmm. She's a dear friend, uh, you know, godmother to my daughter and just yeah. a, a dear personal friend. And we were there, you know, for some tough times in Iraq and Afghanistan right. and right. countries like Djibouti, which I'd never been to and you know, yeah. places like that. Yeah, I remember you, when we went to Israel here just, what, a year or so ago, uh, I mean, you had a, a great experience there with, with Condoleezza Rice and and I remember when we were over there, a lot of the things you were pointing out to Andy and I that were kind of, I was there, this happened over here, this happened here, we got the embassy moved to Jerusalem yeah, look, you know, uh, later. I, you know, I, I think, <clears throat> you know, we, we all have to be better people, priority versus pressure. I, I want to yeah. be a better better sure. man, a better father, a better husband. And we're going to be who we surround ourselves with. Right. I was on that trip there to Israel, and we were staying at the David Citadel Hotel where you, mm-hmm. you me, and Andy stayed. And right. it was at night, and it overlooked, Mm-hmm. the old city and Gandhi brought me down mm-hmm. and they had all this bulletproof glass that wheeled in so yep. I would shoot her and we overlooked <clears> it and she made me stay behind mm-hmm. and I spent a couple days seeing those she, she was she, she was a daughter of a mm-hmm. uh, of a minister and she wanted me to see it and I, I, I'm in love with Israel and but for me I'm from Tenaha, Texas a town of yeah. a thousand people Israel was like those maps and either the front or the back of the Bible whichever one you got I'll <laughs> never go there and so right. you know I've now been there 30 times probably for work and I, I love it, but, but to work for someone like that that mm. took the time out to say, right. you know, three of the world's major religions are right here. Right. You better go see it and do it now. Right. That was important to me. Absolutely. Well, Jim, there's no way that those events that you've experienced uh, could not have had any other effect on you other than to draw you much closer to the Lord and, and enable you to um, have a deeper faith 
through all the experiences that you've had and the things that you've witnessed, I mean, your life story is remarkable. I mean, there's very few people who've had the experiences you've had who has really been uh, on the front lines of a lot of historical uh, events that have happened in our, in our nation. And I know God is using those things. He's blessed you, your family. I mean, now you're in business and there's not a week that goes by when Jim and Aaron are in town, they don't have five or six families that they've invited to sit with them in church. And you can look right down on the front row and Jim's gonna be there, he and Aaron. <laughs> and, uh, and I just, I, I, he's a guy that really does live out his, his faith. And I have so much respect for you and love for you and admiration for you. Okay. And um, I mean, what, what kind of challenge, Jim, would you kind of share with the folks um, as we kind of wrap up our, our talk today about uh, maybe anything that comes to mind concerning how those events have shaped you or how you endeavor to kind of live your life even today? I, I guess a few thoughts for our church. Number one, I think humility. Mm -hmm. Again, the worst things I ever saw, nowhere near as bad. Mm -hmm. It's those 13 that just died in Afghanistan. Yeah. You, know, you got a, a woman holding a baby, mm. you know, giving that baby maybe the only love it's had, mm. and then is dead now. Um, so I'd say humility. You know, I look at the people that come to the front of this church when mm. you preach every Sunday, and they're going to meet you. Mm -hmm. And every time people walk down, mm -hmm. and they need them. I look at when, when coronavirus hit, I brought my kids to the food bank, and I right. watched people who never would have, these volunteers mm -hmm. who come here, and they're not looking for glory. No one knows their name. Right. The, and coronavirus wasn't going to stop them as these families tried to figure out how they're going to survive when their kids can't go to school and have school lunch. Right. You know, and, and they need three meals a day instead of, instead of what you provide. And so I just think for us, we need to ground ourselves and remember mm -hmm. we're lucky to live in the greatest place in the world. Yeah. We're lucky that we have a God. I tell people, a lot of people I talk to about faith is I, it would be a, events like I've seen and people in this church have seen and people right now are going through so many things. I couldn't handle it. It would be too dark for me if there wasn't a God, mm -hmm. if, if there wasn't a, a God. And, you know, I just think we all have to stand up and say thank you to someone mm -hmm. who's doing the work. You know, yeah. there'll be someone that cleans this church after, yeah. after everybody leaves today. Mm -hmm. Who's saying thank you, I love you, mm -hmm. right? Who's saying thank you to our teachers mm -hmm. who, you know, every day go in there. Mm -hmm. And I've got a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. Mm -hmm. They don't know what September 11th was. Right. Okay, that's just another day to them. And so... We have to speak to them just like our families talked to us about World War II and yeah. about Korea and Vietnam. And so we have to, mm -hmm. uh, we have to do that. My, my wife Erin, her dad has one arm. He lost his arm in the Vietnam War. Wow. And there was no one to welcome him when he came home. Yeah. And so we've got to make sure that we're there for, for, these, um, you know, for these people because it's, the graveyards are full of people mm -hmm. who died so we could be here today. Yeah. And um, let's just focus on them and... Yeah. and just remember there is a God and that God is good. And um, I'll tell you, the person that fascinates me most after all of this is Paul. Mm. To have gone through what Paul did mm -hmm. and to write those letters yep. and to have been there and, and, and witnessed. I think as you preached a couple Sundays ago in Fishing 101, we all, and I start remaining to be better men and women and witness. Right. Yeah. You know, one of the things Paul said was, you know, if I glory, if I have anything to glory over in my life, I glory in the cross. You know, he just never, he really never forgot what, what Jesus did for him, the difference that he made in his life. And, and I think when you see these events like 9-11 and the sacrifices, our military and our first responders, when you see all the sacrifices that people make on behalf of, of someone else, 
you know, you always want to remember those sacrifices and, and really the greatest sacrifice, like you say, we talk about it every weekend, and that's that ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross. And so as we remember the events of 9-11, we also want to close the services this weekend by remembering uh, the cross. And we thought it might be appropriate this weekend, Jim, if we close the service by receiving communion. It's a wonderful way. Jesus said when he gave that uh, communion to the apostles in the upper room, he said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Think about that, in remembrance of me. I don't want you to forget, is what he was saying. I want you to remember this. And so as we receive communion, we, we do so in remembrance of the price he paid and the sacrifice that was given on our behalf. So Jim, again, love you, man. Thank you for sharing with us. And now we're going to, we're going to receive communion. All of us have experienced things in our life that we'll never forget. All of us have been through things that we will always remember. And the reason why we'll always remember those things, whether they were joyous occasions like the birth of a child or a, a wedding day, or they were tragic events like the death of a loved one or what happened 20 years ago. We remember these things because they changed our lives forever. We were never the same because of what we went through. On the night before Jesus went to the cross, when he gathered with his disciples in the upper room, that's what he was telling them. He says, what I'm about to do for you is gonna change your life. You will never be the same. In fact, I'm going to change the world. You see, they gathered that night for the Passover celebration. They were having the Passover meal. This was a time that the Jewish people got together and they, they remembered what God did for them while they were in bondage, while they were enslaved in Egypt. And they remember how God sent the plagues so that Pharaoh would let his people go. And that very last plague when God was sending the angel of death to kill all the firstborn of Egypt, but he provided a way for the Jewish people. He said, sacrifice a lamb and you take the blood of that lamb and you put it over your door frames and the angel of death will pass by. And that's what happened. He saved the Jewish people. Pharaoh let the people go. And God let his people out of Egypt to the promised land, and they were free. And Jesus told them, he said, that from now on, this isn't going to be remembering what happened in Egypt. It's now going to be remembering what I did on the cross. Because you don't have to put the blood over the doorframe anymore. That my blood will cover you. That what I'm going to do is make you free from your sin and free from death. And so then he took the bread and he held it and he blessed it and then he broke it. And he said, this is my body that will be broken for you. He said, take and eat and do this in remembrance of me.
And then he took the cup. And he said, this represents my blood that will be shed for you. He said, take and drink and do this in remembrance of me. And he said, as often as you take this bread and this cup, remember what I did for you. Remember how I took all of your sin, all of your shame upon myself, and I died for you so that you would be free, so that you would have life. When I think about us taking communion as a church, what I see is all of us being one in Christ. I see us being what Paul said in Galatians 3, is that because of what Jesus did for us, we are all one. And when I think about that, I think about 20 years ago when the tragic events of 9-11 happened. And all of us were stunned. We didn't know what was happening. We were all confused. We had many, many questions. I remember what I was doing was planning a service. When we saw what was going on, we knew that the people would need to see God, hear from God, feel God. And so we were planning a service. And then 9-12 happened. And what I saw was that we came together as a country. It was no longer black or white. It was no longer male or female. We were all one, Americans. We were there for each other. But not only that, I saw Americans coming together, seeking God. I saw more people come to church at one time than I'd ever seen before because they were all looking for the answers. They all wanted to hear from God and it was our God that gave us that comfort. And that's what you need to realize in your life. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, that God's amazing grace always shows up. He's always there to see us through all things. And that's our prayer for families that are grieving, that are suffering right now because of the, the loss that they felt 20 years ago. That's our prayer for all of the first responders that put their life on the line every single day for our safety. That God's amazing grace is over them. And that's our prayer for you. That through everything you face, through everything you go through, that you realize God has you and he will see you through all things. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we all face things that leave us with questions. We all go through experiences that make us wanna just ask why. Why is this happening? Why are we having to deal with this? Why are we going through this? And God, we're just so grateful that through all of our whys, through all of our questions, that you're always there pointing us to you because you're the answer to all things. 
because you have been faithful in the past, no matter what we go through, no matter what we face, we can trust you with our future. You have proven yourself faithful by sending us your son who took all of our sin and shame upon himself and he, he died for us, he was buried for us and on the third day he rose again for us. And so God, help us to always remember the fact that through everything going on, we can trust you, that you are trustworthy, that we can depend on you and your amazing grace every single day. So on this day that we remember the fallen, remember the ones that lost their lives, remember the ones that risked their lives and gave their lives to save others. We thank you for the life that you gave us, the life of your son. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you for that. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.